You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Just in case you got excited, there's a few minutes before we uh, go over to the community radio network. Yes, it's the Anarchist World this week. Now, what have we got planned for you today and tomorrow and the following day? Now, I know you're all lonely out there and you're all on social media, but sometimes you need to get out. Enjoy the sun before it gets too hot. Well, tonight I'll be doing a a reading, that's right, of a play I wrote a few years ago called Q7461, a 21st century parable rooted in the 20th century based on universal values. How's that for a title? At the Footscray Hotel, 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, here in Melbourne, uh, 6.30pm for a 7pm start, and we will start on time. So if you're late, you'll miss the first act. Tomorrow, at midday, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, uh, Margaret Kelly has received her VCAT determination, which she's discussing with her legal team today and she'll be making some important announcements and uh, after a few speakers we'll be wandering down to 50 Lonsdale Street at the, uh, we're not interested in the other poor tenants but those in level 22 and not all of them just the Department of Housing Fairness and Families who are very keen to evict a little old no I should say an old woman from public housing she's been in for over a quarter of a century. So we expect you there. There'll be a big announcement. Uh, There has been a uh, major shift in the campaign. We need your support, and I'll talk about that more during the program. So what else have we got in store for you? Well, not much else, I don't think, this week. But that should fill up the rest of the week for you. Now, we're waiting for the uh, Community Radio Network to join us so we can uh, go on to the main... um, section of the program and um, if you're as disgusted as I am, I'm not angry, I'm not annoyed, I'm not upset, I'm just disgusted with what's been going on around us now for years but it all seems to be coming to a head. So listen in and find out because obviously, um, you know, that's the way it goes. Now just to remind you that uh, next Wednesday will be the last Wednesday of the week, if I'm correct, and we'll be having lunch down at Frankston between midday and 2pm. So please put that down in your diary and meet some like-minded people. Obviously these are political gatherings as much as social gatherings, and when you're a radical activist, sometimes when you don't you know, live in the CBD of Melbourne, who'd want to live in that dump? You know, you, uh, uh, you find that uh, you... Uh, you know, you need to mix with like-minded people. And these are great opportunities, whether it's a vigil and a protest, like tomorrow on the 20th of July, whether it's the uh, play reading tonight on the 19th of July, or whether it's lunch on the 27th of uh, July down at Frankston. But the important thing is that, uh, you know, there are lots of things happening, uh, lots of things happening, and we need to become involved in these things, not necessarily what I talk about, but there's lots of other things happening. Um, there's too much social isolation these days, and it doesn't need to be that way. Now, the cows have just walked into the studio, the sacred cows. They're waiting for us to be transported to Sin City in Sydney. Uh, we're waiting for the Community Radio Network to beam its rays of hope on us and beam us into the stratosphere. Don't forget, the program is podcast. So we are waiting, waiting, waiting. So there's been a bit of problem with the podcast, I've been told, of the last last week, but hopefully that's been sorted out. It's, it's as if I think I was talking over myself, which is not unusual, but uh, it was some technical glitch, which hopefully has been sorted out as far as the podcasting is concerned. 
So, we have, our producer has deserted us today. We have a fill-in acting producer who is looking intently at the screen for the time that we are about. Five, four, three, two, one, blast off. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen. The Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Woolless Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network in multiple community radio stations. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, very simple, anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Life and death in many cases. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve or share power and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Exceptionally conservative ideas. Very conservative. What's really radical is the belief that if we give somebody unlimited power, they'll do the right thing by the community. That is a radical thought. And unfortunately, radicalism seems to be the name of the game in the 21st century when we should be talking about conservative concepts, concepts which are based in our evolutionary development, concepts of sharing power, sharing wealth, in order to ensure that everybody enjoys the fruits of living on this dying planet. Now, a term I've heard used lately is flying beneath the radar. Now, I think that comes from the term, a uh, World War II term, uh, when you had the, the old dam busters, when they went across the English Channel, they had to fly below the radar to evade, evade them being seen by the uh, Nazis. And uh, this term's been used consistently over the last few weeks regarding the shenanigans that have been happening in the public service. Shenanigans that have been happening for weeks. Weeks. Not days, but weeks. And these shenanigans have been just extraordinary in terms of the effect they've had on society. And currently there's a Senate uh, or there's a parliamentary inquiry, not just into PricewaterhouseCooper, but a huge number of outside companies that have been used to provide advice to government. Just to give you an example of how rife the problem is, it's not just about giving advice, it's about actually having people in the public service in positions of authority from the private sector. For example, in the Defence Department, one in two public servants, in inverted commas, are actually employees of privately owned corporations. So here we have the fox in the chook shed giving advice on how to look after the chooks while ripping off their heads. I mean, that's the extent of it. And everybody's saying, wow, how come we didn't know about this? Well, obviously, here in the anarchist world this week and many other radical circles, we've known about this for decades. We've talked about this cons- this idea, this corporatisation of the public service, the colonisation of the public service by the private sector. We've talked about it ad nauseum with obviously no 
interest. But the fact is, these type of abuses, and then they're just abuses. They're abuses of public money. They're abuses of public trust. They're abuses. These type of abuses have occurred because we've relied on self-regulation. That's right. We've relied on the fox, you know, regulating itself in the chook shed. We've put the fox in the chook shed and then we say to the fox, you behave yourself. And then we've set up government regulatory services which have been totally missing in action because they have been grossly underfunded and because they have no legislative ability to inhibit the private sector's behaviour as they colonise the public sector. No ability whatsoever. Straw men and women. Organisations you can blow at, you know, and they'll fall over. Organisations, as we've seen with the current building fiasco, that have no teeth. So what we've seen is the ideology of deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation become the number one purpose of the public service. And to many degrees, the public service at the states and federal level has become nothing more than an organisation which gives out contracts to the private sector. That's why we had the robo-debt fiasco and it went on and on and on. That's why we see public servants who actually stand up losing their jobs, losing the ability to expand their career in the public sector. That's why we see somebody in the corporate sector and somebody in the public sector working side by side and one person getting hundreds of thousands of dollars more than their public service counterpart. And obviously, this has a huge impact on a public service which has been colonised by foxes. That's all they are, foxes in chook houses, whose major responsibility is not to you, although you are paying the bill, not to you. Their major responsibility is to their employer and their major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their employer, irrespective of regulation. So it isn't about time. Not only did we get rid of the fox in the, in the, in the public service chook shed, but actually had passed legislation which actually sets a radar, which gives regulatory bodies the ability to police these corporations because currently there is no radar there is no radar it's not about flying beneath the radar it's about ensuring that legislation is put in place to not only regulate the behavior of the private sector in the public service to to ensure the private sector especially the corporate sector is eventually shown the door and kicked out because robo-debt may be the pinnacle, pinnacle, you know, of, of this, of the consequences of these ideologically driven policies that both Liberal and Labor parties, Liberal National Parties and Labor parties have foisted on us. But the important thing to remember is there is no radar. There is self-regulation government regulation without without creating organisations that have legislative power and teeth to regulate the private sector do not work. So it's not about flying beneath the radar, it's about creating a radar to ensure that this type of behaviour never happens again. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. 
That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The meaning of life. Now, those devotees to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy will realise that the meaning of life is 42. Well, I hate to tell the author he's wrong. And all those people who, you know, believe in one with the guy head, 36 virgins, what else? Life after death, extinction, you name it. You know, all the things that we as human beings do to ensure that uh, we think that uh, there is meaning. Well, I have discovered the meaning of life. That's right. Yours truly, little Joseph Toscano, has discovered the meaning of life. And what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is not 42, it's 55. Hmm? 55. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is wrong. It is 55. So why is it 55? I'll tell you why it's 55. Because the number 55 is the superhighway to consumer nirvana. That's right. Do you know that the average wage of a CEO, you know, Chief Executive Officer, I'm not even talking about the bloody board members, that the average, the average wage of a CEO in this country, not the US of A, not Putin's Russia, not Charlie's England, but in this country, is 50 times, 55 times the average wage. So... One CEO is worth 55 financially workers on an average salary of about 80000 a year. So the average wage of a CEO in this country is around $5 million. That's right, $5 million. You'd be lucky to win well, you don't win $5 million in tax lotto. You're lucky to win on a Saturday tax lotto a million dollars, and that's supposed to be the gateway to Nirvana, winning tax lotto. So how have we come to this situation? How have we come to the situation where people who are doing the best they can to ensure that the people they're responsible for, children, adults they're responsible for, actually get a roof over their heads, enough food to eat, and maybe a little bit of money for a little bit of entertainment. Have we come to this situation as a society that we have allowed this cancer to grow? Because it is a cancer. Because obviously there's a fixed amount of resources in the country and most of these resources are not flowing into the hands of the majority of the population. I keep talking about the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the 8% who have now become part of the investment class. So that's the question we should be asking ourselves every day. How have we allowed this to occur and how do we believe that this is acceptable. And that's the key. Why is it acceptable? Why is it acceptable that somebody can get 55 times the average wage as a salary per year compared to somebody who's trying just to make ends meet? Why is it acceptable during a so-called crisis, economic crisis, that the bulk of the pain, that's right, the bulk of the pain is shared not by the people who have 55 times the average salary every year, whose salary has increased by 15% in the last 12 months, 
but by the majority of people on average wages who have been asked to carry the can for increasing inflation, which is caused to a significant degree by increasing company profits or corporate profits. Think about it. Think about it. We have believed, as a people, maybe you don't, but as a people, we have believed the garbage of trickle-down economics, that if rich get richer, the poorer get richer. Unfortunately, history teaches us it's the other way round. As the rich get richer, the poorer get poorer. And we see this on every available statistical indicator in this country over the last 40 years. And that's why we have, we have an education system where a million children live in poverty and an education system which is bankrolled to a significant degree by the taxpayer where a small number of children who belong, you know, I'm not blaming these kids, they can't blame where they're born, you know, who find they can get the best education money can buy. And that's the type of society we've become because we're all aspirational. We're all aspiring, that's right. We're all aspiring to become, uh, you know, these type of people. We're aspiring to become rich. We're aspiring to become CEOs. We're aspiring to have disposable income so we can use this country's investment-friendly laws to enrich ourselves. Look, the great thing about the anarchist world this week is you don't have to exaggerate because we deal with facts. Not virtual reality, but facts. And all you've got to do is look around you to understand the situation we find ourselves in. And in many regards, we are to blame. As a society, we are to blame. Because we accept the ideological position that private investment for private gain is the only way by which societies can function. We're told consistently there is no other way. There is no other way. And obviously there are other ways. There have always been other ways. For example, give you an example. In a representative democracy or a parliamentary democracy, you've got the situation where we theoretically elect our rulers. That's right. In some countries, people impose themselves on the population. In other countries, we elect our rulers. The dilemma is that although we elect people to parliament, their responsibility is not to us. Their primary responsibility is that the party, because we have a party system, which nominates them in particular seats, has electors, we cast a ballot every three to four years, but we can do nothing in between elections to remove people, you know, apart from revolution, to remove people who've lied to us consistently. And the other problem is that Parliament is a little bit like a puppet show because the parliamentary strings are not pulled by the electors or we would have legislation in place that would ensure that this country's resources were mined for the benefit of of the people of this country. But unfortunately, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and to a lesser extent, the investment class pulls the parliamentary strings. So although the late Bob Hawke talked about no child living in poverty, 30 years later, we still have a million Australian children from a miserable population of about 25.5 million, not a huge population, 
you know, living in poverty. And again, it's us. To a significant degree, it's us. And today is an important date. I don't know if you remember the much maligned Justice Lionel Murphy, the High Court judge who was dragged before the courts because of his radical positions. Well, today is an important day as far as the much maligned Lionel Murphy is concerned. Now, Lionel Murphy was responsible for two, as Attorney General, and I'm talking about his raid on ASIO, you know, for protecting terrorists in the 70s, and that's another story. But two reforms which have had significant impact on almost every human being on this, on this country in the last 50 years. The first one was no-fault divorce. Now, I'm sure many listeners to this program have benefited from a no-fault divorce legislative agenda. And then, believe it or not, today is the 50th anniversary of the introduction of civil celebrants. So all those fancy weddings you've been to, with the civil celebrant and all those fancy funerals you've been to with a civil celebrant are due to the much maligned Justice Lionel Murphy's legislative agenda 50 years ago. Because if there's one thing that this country is famous for, it's actually changing history to suit the ideological agenda of political parties that represent the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the investment class. And one of the most vigorous, vociferous lies that have been peddled over the last five decades has been how revolting incompetent, ugly, the Whitlam-led Labor government was. Now, the Whitlam-led Labor government was involved in a host of reforms which we continue to have today, not because the Labor Party was a radical party, but because people in this country in the late 60s and 70s wanted change. And they pushed the ALP into a position where change occurred. Change like the introduction of a universal healthcare system, which was called Medibank in those days, and Medicare today, which governments have done all they can to destroy. That's right. They've done all they can to destroy in the last few years. That's the situation we find ourselves in. Introduce legislation regarding introducing, I know, this, I know this sounds extraordinary, pensions or assistance for single mothers. There was no assistance for single mothers before the Whitlam Labor government. Legal aid, Aboriginal land rights in the territories. And the list goes on and on and on and on of reforms. But we're told a government through pressure from the Australian people, which was a much, we were a much more radicalised group of people in the 70s than people are today as they focus on issue-orientated politics. The fact is, governments change policies and introduce policies dependent on the pressure from people like you and me, which is applied to them to change policies. I'll give you an example. Very simple. Now, we at the Anarchism Institute, through public housing, everybody's business, have been supporting Margaret Kelly, right? Now, the Margaret Kelly debate is very simple. Margaret Kelly is a 68-year-old disability support pensioner who relies on a motor, you know, a little motor scooter to get around, who has lived in the Barrack Beacon Estate in Port Melbourne for over a quarter of a century, right? 
About 18 months ago, around 280 people lived on the estate, but about 18 months ago, the uh, Department of, you like this, you like this, the Department of uh, Housing, Fairness and Families, that's the Victorian Department, sent us little goons out and told the people, well, you're going to have to be forcefully, you're going to have to be relocated because we're going to destroy this estate and there was no physical reason to destroy it, right? And we're going to redevelop it with the help of the private sector and we're going to build 350 tiny little units. 250 will belong to the private investor and 100 will be given away to the community housing sector, which is private housing, right? So Margaret dug in, okay? She dug in. She decided, this is crap. She decided, this is total garbage. This is crap. You know, she dug in. And eventually, it went to VCAT. She was given an eviction order. Uh, and the list goes on and on. All right? This is one little human being standing up to the monster. To the machine. One little human being for a little bit of support. Not a lot. Not a lot of support, and that's the tragedy. Not a lot of support. No support from the uh, all those housing associations which are fattening themselves up in the community, affordable, you know, inclusive social housing sector. No support from the trade union movement. Poor old Jack Mundy of, of New South Wales BLF Green Band fame would be bloody spinning in his grave, not turning in his grave. No trade union support. Support from a ragtag army, including the Australian Greens. Now, Margaret had one simple request. She wanted a, a meeting with the uh, minister, the Honourable. I don't think there's very thing honourable about evicting 68-year-olds. Uh, the Honourable Colin Brooks, right, to discuss a different strategy regarding public housing, not privatise it, a retain, repair, reinvest strategy. And what happened? No meeting, despite protests. Taken to VCAT to be evicted. The estate is currently being bulldozed around her. Now, three requests. I mean, there's no point listening to the anarchist world this week if you're just going to cross your legs and start praying. I mean, it's feet on the ground that help. Three requests. One, I encourage you to go down to... If you live in Melbourne, the sun's out. Go down to the Barrack Beacon Estate. If you got, haven't got a car... Collins Street, Melbourne, Tram 109 to the end of the line and then a short walk to the Barrack Beacon Estate. You know, it's bounded by Beacon Road, Barrack Road and the Boulevard. Go and say hello to Margaret. Go and say hello. Bring some coffee granules, some food. Come and say hello. You know how hard it is to actually stand up against the state when you've got minimal support from the community, no support from the trade union, no support from the, you know, Liberal National Party and the uh, so-called alternative Liberal Party in Victoria under the much, you know, Mr. Mr. Andrews. Go down there. Have a chat. Have a coffee. See what's going on. Because this struggle is beginning to hot, hot up. Because it's not just about Margaret Kelly, it's about the future of public housing. Estates around Victoria are being bulldozed and private investors are being given public land to build minuscule amounts of substandard privately owned housing to deal with the housing crisis. Secondly, if you're a trade union member in Victoria 
or a former trade unionist, a retired member, get onto your bloody trade union because they're all affiliated with Melbourne Trades Hall. Get onto the bastards. See why they're not, not willing to pull the finger out. Are they frightened of the Australian Labor Party government here in Victoria? Are they frightened they won't get any more contracts? Are they frightened they'll be isolated? Because that's how this government in Victoria works. It punishes people that refuse to bend to its will. Give them a ring. Send them an email. Turn up at their doorstep. Because if you don't, if no green ban is introduced in the next few weeks, that estate will disappear and public housing will become a little more than a historical oddity in the state of Victoria. Why not have a retain, repair, reinvest strategy? Why not have a massive program, you know, of buying private homes in the community and putting them on the public housing register. Thirdly, tomorrow at midday, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, Margaret Kelly will be making an important announcement. She's recently received her VCAT decision, which she's discussing with her, you know, pro bono lawyers. And she'll be making a major announcement tomorrow, and she'll need support. We will be there. Public housing, everybody's business will be there. The Australian Greens will be there. The Socialist Alliance will be there. Friends of Public Housing will be there. Ruhu will be there. And a few other organisations will be there to assist Margaret. But you won't see the trade union movement. You won't see the Liberal National Party. You won't see the, uh, the organisations which are now profiting from the privatisation of public housing and the management of public housing, but you'll see us. So come and join us. After a few short uh, words from Margaret and a few other announcements, we'll be moving across to 50 Lonsdale Street. Floor 22, 50 Lonsdale Street which is owned by ISPT, you know, huge conglomeration of uh, superannuation companies, about 25 of them, which manages a trillion dollars for over 5 million uh, workers, actually owns that building. And um, I think I'll read you out a little response to a letter I sent some time ago about how everybody seems to be frightened of the Andrews-led Labor government because it may impinge on their bottom line because they seem to only give out contracts to people who are willing to lick their shoes. So join us. Go visit Margaret. Ring up your trade union. Email them. Talk to them. Find out what's going on. Find out why they can't pull their finger out and, you know, mobilise around this particular issue of public housing? Because if they can't mobilise against the issue of public housing, what's the point of being a trade unionist? What's the bloody point? As I said, most of them are affiliated with Melbourne Trades Hall. Think about it. And come and join us tomorrow, midday, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. There will be many other actions regarding public housing in the next few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Also here at Community Radio 3CR, from which this program is coming to you via the Community Radio Network, another program I'm involved in, which is Talk Back With Attitude. We will be down there at the Barrack Beacon Estate next Thursday. That's the 27th. Not this Thursday, next Thursday, the 27th of July. And we will be there. We will be there. We'll be doing our program from Margaret Kelly's, uh, just outside Margaret Kelly's uh, unit, what's left of it, what's left of the estate as it continues to be wrecked. Right? We'll be there from 
10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And we want people to come down there to actually see what's happening so we can chat to people about the situation and broadcast it live on Community Radio 3CR. That's the 27th of July. So there's a few things that you can get involved in. Think about it. You don't struggle. Dare to struggle. Dare to win. Even if we don't win this one, we will be able to push the concept of public housing one step further. Because if we can't do it now, when can we do it? In the midst of a housing crisis, in the midst of a rental crisis, in the midst of a mortgage crisis, if we can't get the community behind this campaign, what's the point? What's the point? And that's what people say to you. Well, there's no point. You're not going to win. It's not about winning. It's about putting up resistance. It's putting up a struggle to ensure that next time a government, whether at the state or federal level, wants to push through legislation that has a detrimental effect on the public, like robo-debt, that resistance in the street is there. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, sometimes you have to laugh. You really have to laugh. And I'm laughing. Well, I'm actually crying, you know, laughing and crying, two sides of the same coin, regarding the news coverage and government reaction to the increasing record temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere, which will come down to us in the Southern Hemisphere in the next few months. I mean, it's as if it's come out of left field. High temperatures in Greece, high temperatures in Death Valley, high temperatures in North America. Canada is burning. And I'm thinking, huh? The, ant- the, ant- the Arctic is melting. Not unexpected. Sorry, boys and girls, this is not unexpected. This is what the climate emergency is about. This is what the scientists have been saying for over three to four decades. And now we think it's some type of catastrophe that's just come around the corner. Come on. This is not unexpected. This is what happens. And if it continues to grow, it happens, we're going to have major problems on the planet. Think about planet Earth. And Sometimes I I don't like to think about this, but sometimes you've got to kind of make it clear. We've now have 8 billion people on planet Earth. That's right. We've just ticked past the 8 billionth person. I'm one of them. You're one of them. 8 billion of us out there. Living longer, consuming more. You know, I'm one of them. You know, living longer, consuming more. Eight billion. Now, where where do we live? Now, I'm not asking you for your address. I'll leave that to social media so they can bombard you with shit. No, where do we live? We live on planet Earth, you know, the green planet. Or blue planet, I should say. Planet Earth. Okay. What's planet Earth? Well, it's an earthen, earthen crust. Rocks and earth encasing molten lava. Okay? All right? Eight billion of us. Then we live on the surface. Okay? Eight billion of us. And we have a very, very, very dirty atmosphere. And we need the oxygen and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to survive. We don't breathe oxygen, we die. Right? And here we are pushing a private investment for private profit agenda. And we talk about morals and ethics. There is no morals or ethics in a private investment for private profit agenda, which is capitalism. It's about creating the maximum profit, irrespective of the human, social and environmental issues. That's what it's about. 
nothing else. Maximum profits. Give you an example. Give you an example. This is a nice letter which was sent to us from the ISPT Super Property Group. Now that involves about 25 Australian superannuation companies. They manage about a trillion dollars, not a billion, a trillion dollars, which theoretically belongs to five million Australian workers. That's you and me, all right? Dear Joseph, it's always nice to be. Well, I was very polite in my letter. Dear Joseph, re 50 Lonsdale Street, lease to the Victorian State Government. That's the crew at 50 Lonsdale Street we're going to visit tomorrow, you know, from Parliament House. Thank you for your letter dated 27th of June 2023. Uh, this is what you call greenwash, whitewash, bluewash, you know, whatever you call it. ISPT is committed to environmental, social and governance excellence as an integral part of our investment strategy and in all that we do. I like that. I like that. Our investors are some of Australia's largest industry superannuation funds with a strong focus on responsible and sustainable investments and developments. Full stop. ISPT is exploring the merits of social housing so that we can do our part to support Australians and to drive positive change. I like that. That's very good. I, I should be... wonder how much money the person... Uh, uh, Joe, keep reading, you idiot. ISPT actively participates in the community, including the Property Industry Foundation, which brings the property development industry together to build homes for homeless and disadvantaged youths. ISPT takes its social purpose very seriously and has set ESG performance as a key priority. As such, ISPT conducts its business ethically as it continues to act in accordance with the laws of Australia and those jurisdictions in which it operates as the governing legislative framework. I can actually see an out here. Has landlord of 50 Lonsdale Street, ISPT, is unable to control or exert any influence over the state government's decisions, initiatives or policies in regarding in relation to public housing. Has our tenant ISPT as our tenant ISPT is able only to engage and positively contribute to this important area in the way set out above. ISPT is unable to comment further on individual circumstances, but will continue to work with our business partners to advocate for ethical and sustainable practices. Yours sincerely, Rosemary Hartner, Chair of ISPT. One, I thank them for actually responding to the letter from a non-entity, me, okay? I think that's great that they've responded. Two, now if I was a tenant of ISPT at 50 Lonsdale Street, and I behaved in the way the Department of Housing, Fairness and Families is behaving, I'd bloody get the boot. Because the state government, well, it seems like everything else that they can get a, legally get away with murder. But this is what I tell you. This is what I'm saying. The effort is warranted because it gets people thinking about what is important and what isn't important. So the effort that we expend in order to promote different issues is positive. Because without that effort, there would be no opposition. There would be no alternatives there will be no alternative discussion, no alternative debate. And that's why we need people to become involved in this particular issue of public housing. Irrespective 
of how powerful you think government is, irrespective of the fact that they control the courts and the police and the armed forces, the fact is policy is written not in legislation but is driven by the amount of people who are willing to take an active participatory role in our society. Democracy is not about casting a ballot every three to four years. Democracy is about being involved in the decision-making processes. Right. A lot of discussion this week about loneliness, loneliness, social cohesion. Well, we are pack animals, human beings. We did evolve, as I said before in this program, we're the apex predator on the planet because of our cooperative abilities as a species. Unfortunately, because of the domination of our social, culture and economy by a private investment, private profit model, what we've seen is that co- social cohesion break down. We've seen loneliness become an issue. We've seen asocial media divide and isolate people. Because ultimately it's that human interaction which marks us as human beings. It's that human interaction, whether it's negative or positive, it's that feet on the ground. So if you are lonely, there is an answer. There are many things happening, not just things that involve consumption and you put you know, your hand in your pocket. Things like the public housing struggle, things like struggles to change political direction, things like struggles to ensure that our resources, the country's resources are used for the country's benefit, not the benefit of unaccountable corporations. There are solutions. You either remain socially isolated, remain an aspirational citizen, or turn your back on it and move forward and improve your life. The fact is, the ball is in your court. Not my court, your court. Now, I understand that the Commonwealth Games is in a bit of trouble. Look, what uh, the Victorian Labor Party has done here is just disgusting. First of all, they say they're going to go ahead, then they pull out, you know, and give some bodgy excuse. But oh, there is a there is a solution. I was on the phone. Yeah, I don't email. I was on the phone to Charlie last night down at Windsor, down at the Windsor Palace, and Charlie told me that the Commonwealth Games are going to be held in the Windsor Palace and his other estates. So thank you, Charlie. I knew you were a great king and uh, I bow to you. You know, So if you've got a problem regarding where the Commonwealth Games are going to go, give Charlie a ring. He said that he's happy to allow you to have them in the front court of the Windsor Castle and people and all the athletes can be billeted in the castle in the centre of London so there won't be any transport problems so thank you Charlie and one last thing this is what I like about Mr Andrews one day it's about controlling the gambling industry the next day we cancel the Commonwealth Games the next day is we destroy public housing the thing is you know you need to keep the media on, on its feet and feed them garbage and that's what we get Garbage, garbage, garbage. Now, I know why people gamble. I know. And people gamble much more during hard times because a lot of people see it as the only way out of the pathetic situation they find themselves in. Irrespective of what I feel about it, what you feel about it, what we think about it, the fact is that in a capitalist society, disposable income is what gives you options. So next time, you know, you hear about gambling, think about the reason people gamble. It's not just about making profits for corporations. It's about many people find themselves in such a difficult situation financially, economically, personally, that the only way out of that is to get some type of 
windfall. The other option, a bit more dangerous, computer fraud. But that's what some people do. It's extraordinary. Now, don't forget tonight, it's the 19th of July today, Wednesday the 19th of July. I'm doing a, a reading of a play I wrote about six or seven years ago. Uh, which was going to be put up as a real play, but uh, COVID-19 dashed our hopes, called Q7461, a 21st century parable rooted in the 20th century based on universal values. Think about it. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. You need to come. It will be videotaped, hopefully, most likely, and it will be up on the, on the uh, web or the YouTube channel, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M. And, um, but come along tonight, Footscray Hotel, 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, no charge, obviously. Bring some food, this is a real pub. They only serve alcohol and, and sell stuff in packets, and they're quite happy for you to bring some food to a chomp on. They don't even serve coffee. So 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, 6.30pm for a 7pm. Start Q7461, a 21st century parable rooted in the 20th century based on universal values. And just remember, the meaning of life is not one with the Godhead, not eternal salvation, not extinction, not 36 virgins, and not even the number 42. It's actually 55. CEO's salary is 55 times the salary of an average of the average salary think about it that is the meaning of life in a capitalist society based on private investment for private profit and irrespective how ISPT tells us what a great company they are how they're investing those 50 1 trillion dollars on behalf of 5 million Australian workers the fact is when it comes to them evicting a tenant who's giving a hard time to a lot of people by forcefully relocating public tenants into privately owned homes and not following a retain, repair, reinvestment strategy. Well, they tell me they can't do anything about it. I'm sure that if I went down there and wrote a few expletives on the walls, they would be able to do something about it. So tomorrow, midday, steps of the Victorian Parliament House, join us. Public interest before corporate interests. Barrack Beacon, Save Barrack Beacon campaign. Then marching down to uh, 50 Lonsdale Street for a bit of an, well, not an occupation. We just blocked their interests for a while just to teach them a lesson. Now, we're very sorry for the other tenants, but if you're unhappy with the tenants in Level 22 because they're affecting your business, ring up ISPT and get them to evict them. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. YouTube channel, uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest today. Go to the website, info at pipsi.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Other websites, anarchistmedia.org. Facebook pages, Public Housing Everybody's Business, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the public um, the list goes on and on there's a lot of shit up there on the net you can look up uh, look it up but the important thing is let's see you around in the next few weeks at all the activities that have been organised and protests because you can make a difference you can sit at home sit in a silo you know be be part of the social media network or you can be part of the real world and I can, I can suggest to you, being part of the real world is much more exciting and much more personally rewarding. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.